that was the opening music to Journey to the Center of the Earth, released in 1959 and directed by Harry Levin and starring Pat Boone, James Mason, Arlene Dahl, Diane Baker, Thayer David, and Peter Ronson. The music is from Bernard Herrmann, and this is the last of our films in our Bernard Herrmann Film Festival. So we're going to be talking about the music uh, quite a bit here. And this is, and you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on Patreon. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews, and on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net and in Facebook and Apple Podcast as well. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews and we should pop up. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from cold and windy North Bend today. And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles welcoming everyone back to Classic Movie Reviews and Journey to the Center of the Earth, which is such a popular theme and subject that's been made several times in other films as well as this one. Put together by the uh, 20th Century Fox Company and released a week before Christmas in 1959. And I would have seen this when I was home on holiday break as a freshman college student. Oh, so it's a holiday movie. Cool. It was a holiday movie, yeah. It was a, it was a big, well-publicized, uh, well-put-together uh, hit. Um, the director, Harry Levin... Uh, is really well known for a lot of television work. He did a lot of uh, things like Knots Landing, but he also did another Pat Boone movie, April Love, in 1957, which probably helped uh, him land this job because Pat Boone was was, uh, such a big star then. There were two other movies that he did that I got interested in, one called The Lonely Man. Yes, that's right. With... Jack Palance and Anthony Perkins. That seemed pretty interesting. It's a Western. It's a Western, and it's a father-son conflict film in black and white. Yeah, that sounded really cool. I'd forgotten about that one. And then he did a couple back-to-back that looked kind of interesting. The Wonders of Aladdin and The Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm. And those came out after this movie. But they, they had kind of these similar fantastical themes and, and special effects. He had a he had a long career with the, with the seventy different films and TV shows, and then of course the leading <clears throat> actors James Mason, Arlene Dahl, Mr. Mason did a hundred I think he, I believe he did a hundred and fifty four uh, films uh, mainly films he did a little TV but he was uh, Erwin Rommel in the Desert Fox in nineteen fifty one he was Captain Nemo. In 20,000 Leagues Under the... See, we're going to have to add that to our film collection. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Kurt Douglas. And he was the uh, spy bad guy in North by Northwest that we've reviewed already from 1959. He was so good in that. And then if you really want to see a well-connected lawyer, watch The Verdict. He's defending the uh, organization that's being sued by Paul Newman and his character, The Verdict of 1952. And Arlene Dahl, I remember Arlene Dahl from The Love Boat and Fantasy Island. She was, she was always immaculate and beautiful in every role that she did, I think. I forgot to mention last episode with The Wrong Man that the kind of parallel theme that we've had this run with the Bernard Herrmann films is also strong female lead characters 
I think that Arlene Dahl fits that role as well. I thought she was really, really great in this movie and a strong character standing up to James Mason's character, Sir Oliver Lindenbrook. Madam, I am deeply distressed by your husband's death and I fully understand your feelings. However, I must ask you one question. How do you plan to dispose of the equipment your husband uh, assembled up there? What does it matter now? Uh, precisely. Don't give it another thought. I'll take it off your hands. Oh, we can discuss it later. No, we cannot discuss it later, madam. Time is running out. My expedition must start within the next 24 hours. Your expedition? Exactly. I only know of the Göteborg expedition. Husbands don't always tell their wives everything. I do not wish to blacken the memory of your husband. However, because I'm under pressure, I must change my request to a demand. I have a right to that equipment, and I claim it. A right? To take over the work of another man's lifetime? He died for that idea. An idea he stole from me. That is a lie. Madam. An unforgivable lie. I would rather destroy every pound of that equipment than let you have it. <laughs> yes, yes. She really does. She she puts the pressure on when they need all this equipment that she has inherited with her husband's demise, and uh, she's not backing down at all, not at all. She's going with him. James Mason did a good job of portraying sort of the pretentious slash absent-minded he professor. Did, did. I love that opening scene where he's sort of wandering through Edinburgh and he's he's everybody's like congratulating him, but he barely even acknowledges anybody. And he's standing in the middle of the road as this marching band has to go around him. <laughs> he, he doesn't even, he's not aware of it until they've passed. Uh, and then he makes a point of like ordering Pat Boone's character, Alec, McEwen to dinner that that evening and then doesn't show up himself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th I think to say he was self-absorbed is an understatement. <laughs> then I felt kind of bad for Diane Baker's character, Jenny Lindenbrook, because she was sort of always being sidelined. Uh, but there was a nice... There's a nice uh, scene with Pat Boone and Diane Baker where he sings a song to her, which I really like that. And Pat Boone's got a great voice. Wasn't he also a recording artist? Is there something you want? Uh, a key is stuck. But that's impossible. It was just tuned last month. Which one? This one, can't you see? No, I can't. <sighs> At least you can see how unhappy I am. You know how I've felt ever since that first day you entered the classroom. And brought your uncle the galoshes he forgot. You look like spring itself. My love is like red red rose that's newly sprung in june my love is like the melody that's sweetly played to miss jenny i thought you upset in the table there's a key stuck mr McEwen is, is fixing it bonnie lass so deep in love Am I that I will love you still, my dear, till all the seas go dry? Oh, he was he was hugely popular when I was in high school in the fifties. 
uh, I liked Pat Boone. Uh, Pat Boone and Elvis Presley were both very popular, uh, completely different styles and different people. But uh, yeah, he he had a long and and he's still very active in his eighties. Uh, and I believe I don't know if it's his daughter or cousin. Debbie Boone was popular in the 70s and early 80s in, in, uh, as a singer. Uh, one of the conditions that he had for making this film is that he'd be allowed to sing a few songs in the film because he was... Yeah, he did a little... They had that, they had that uh, choir kind of singing. Well, the, class, the classroom was singing to the professor kind of celebrating his knighthood and he had like a little bit at the end there where he sort of outshined everybody else. And I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> and the professor was probably saying to himself, they should sing more. I deserve it. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Boone was in one of our earlier films that we, uh, that we reviewed uh, from 1964. Goodbye, Charlie with Debbie Reynolds and Tony Curtis. Remember he was there for just a very few scenes. Oh, I forget yeah. his character in that, but uh, yeah. He was, he was, oh, he was hugely popular. He had the television show, all kinds of things. Yeah, he was, he was super likable. Like he was, he was the most likable character in the movie. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that he was like a strong character in terms of, of like driving the plot forward. I thought maybe more Arlene Dahl was doing that, but he, he definitely was somebody that I could relate to as uh, more with it than the professor. That's for sure. Yeah, the professor was in his own world. And then I like the uh, the other man that went with them. Uh, I think it was Han, uh, Hans Belker. Hans Belker, yes. He reminded me of some of the relatives from Sweden. Yeah, so he was a Swedish sort of farmer, I guess. And then they kind of hired him to be a, a guide to the mountain. And then I don't know that he really understood the scope of what they were getting into. <laughs> I, I could never tell if he, if he knew more than he let on or he didn't. Uh, but I'm laughing because one of the opening scenes that we see him, or the first time we see him, is when <laughs> the professor and Pat Boone are trapped in that goose feather place. <laughs> and and our, our sterling professor is trying to interpret this pecking on the wall from the other side of the wall, which he thinks is some kind of code. This time I heard it too. A fellow prisoner, do you suppose? He's given us signals. It's a code. Morse? I can't just make it out. <coughs> Jot this down. Dash, dash, dot, 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 long dash. That doesn't make sense. Perhaps it's a nice landing. So. We've established contact. I still can't make it out. My esteemed friend, whoever you are, let me introduce myself. Professor Oliver Lindenbrook, University of Edinburgh. May I ask you to interrupt your tapping for a moment and listen? In what language would you like me to speak? And it turns out to be a, a goose. goose. <laughs> <laughs> he really, Mason really did a job. He really got into that role. <laughs> 
he was so believable. I thought he did so good with that. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, we've kind of left Bernard Herrmann for last uh, because it's it's a film festival for him. And I know you mentioned earlier this would be the last in this round of film festivals. As many films as he scored, we may be doing another one a year or two from now, another three or four films. I'm sure he'll show up in other movies that we do. I, just, I don't know that we'll do another series just focused on him. <laughs> I'm already lobbying for that. Well, the first thing I noticed with his music is that it did not come in over the 20th Century Fox fanfare. It, that was the case with the ones before this. The thing I was struck by is the similarity of the to the music in, in uh, Garden of Evil, both in tone and style. It has that same... We're going to go on a big adventure, and this music is going to be right there with us as we move forward. Yeah, totally. And, and you could almost sort of interchange the two scores, I thought, in, in certain parts. Like at that, in the Garden of Evil, when they're going up the mountain and they're just starting on their journey, it's very similar to the opening music of this movie. difference though for me is that the music kind of fits the plot better in this movie uh, journey to the center of the earth because they are going on this huge adventure they're going to go into the center of the earth right yeah that's no small feat yeah and and with the garden of evil it was a dangerous journey but there wasn't it didn't feel quite as big in scope as this movie feels to me oh no and 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 i i think the budget for this film was had to be quite large because all the special effects and the uh, the staging in the in the un- underworld, if you will, they made it look really well, well done. I thought the effects were excellent, uh, like the giant mushrooms. That was really cool. The part where they get to that cave that's all glittering and and looks like it's full of crystals. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. cool. I could have done without the lizards. I don't know what it was about movies in the 60s and maybe into the 70s where they felt like, well, if we just put a lizard on screen, that will be like a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it just looks like a lizard on screen. It's not, nobody's fooled by that. I I was struck by the one that was uh, red colored. I wonder if they painted that, because I've never seen one that color either in real life. But I mean, There may be some kind that, that changes color, and maybe that's okay. But you're right, they're, they're not dinosaurs. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Thayer David's character, Count Sognusum. And I think he was related to the original explorer who they sort of kicks them off on this journey. So uh, what kicks this whole thing off is that Pat Boone's character, Alec, brings a, a gift to Sir Oliver of this volcanic rock that seems really heavy for a volcanic rock. Like there's something about it that's not quite right. And then they find out through an accident in the lab that there's actually this plum uh, weight like that a surveyor would use inside of the volcanic rock 
that came from Iceland, but they found it down in the Mediterranean. So they're like, wait a minute, how did that get down there through a volcano? And then, oh, there must, and the, and their immediate conclusion was, oh, there must be a way to go there through the center of the earth. Like, of course, that's what you would assume, <laughs> yeah. right? Why would you get on a ship and sail down there when you could go yeah. under the world? I think that was our villain's grandfather. Or great-grandfather. Oh, yeah, it was three, yeah, yeah great-great-grandfather. He automatically assumes, our villain, that he deserves, he's entitled to any findings and anything that's, that comes out of the journey to the center of the earth. Broken bones, ribs all right, good, get up. Down there, food and water, refresh yourself. So you lost your friends, just as well. my servant. Too much heat, too much load, too much fear. You're younger, you'll do to carry my things. I'm not your servant, Count Sarknism. Pride, rather out of place here. Eat, drink, then pick up those things, I'm in a hurry. To steal the professor's project? Steal? Listen, young foreigner. I don't have to steal what belongs to me. You're in my world now. And I, I like the setup where they have to be at the crater of the volcano at a certain time on a certain day of the year in order to like have the light show them where the entrance to the cave is. I, I kind of like that setup and it gives it some tension of like, are they going to get there on time? And they're sort of being ambushed by the count and it almost, they don't almost don't quite make it. Did it remind you of that scene in the Indiana Jones film where he has to hold that rod up so that the sun beams through and points to this on the arc on a certain time of day and a certain day of the year. Yeah. It's the same. It's exactly the same kind of a setup. Yeah. That was almost the same kind of scene. But this Count Sockneson, I hope I got that right, also bumps off Arlene Dahl's husband. Right, right. So that's how Arlene Dahl's character, Carla Gutenberg, uh, ends up with our intrepid adventurers, Alec and Sir Oliver. And then they rope Hans into being their guide. <laughs> And and it's I thought it, I was uh, kind of surprised when uh, we discover that the dead Professor Goldberg is Arlene Dahl's husband because Professor Goldberg looked like he was about twice her age. <laughs> I had a little disconnect on that for a minute, and then she didn't. She she took it right in stride. He's dead, so uh, I'm I'm upset by that. But I've got to figure out how I can get involved in this journey well because i think they put their life savings it kind of seemed like they put their life savings into all the equipment into and the everything to, to get this so we actually had three different expeditions headed to this volcano at yeah. the same time and two of them sort of team up against the count it's a race to get to the center of the earth and who's going to get the the credit for that 
And then there's all kinds of adventures that happen inside the center of the earth. Oh. It's all filmed on a soundstage with these big sets with matte paintings in certain parts. But it really felt claustrophobic. It really felt like they were in the center of the earth, which is cool how they accomplished that. And you mentioned some of the special effects. One that I really was struck by that I'll probably not describe very well is when Pat Boone's character drops something into this water and it, it blooms. It's kind of this blooming white. Oh, yeah. I, I, that, I thought that was amazing what they did. And I, uh, It looked like crystals had, like, yeah. it hit the water and it looked like crystals, like, shot out. It was cool. So, uh, and of course, they, they take along the goose. The goose has to go along as well. We can't forget that. Yeah, why did they take the goose? I think it was his pet. It was Hans' pet. I think or it was something. yes. He wasn't going to leave it behind. And then I think that Sir Oliver justified it by saying that it was sort of like a canary in a coal mine. Like it'll help them understand if there's not enough oxygen. Yep. Uh, they had some cool lanterns too that they uh, were able to that were battery powered, and I thought that was pretty advanced technology for that time. Do you see what this is, Laddie? The very last word in equipment. Room corp lamps. Oh, self-generating. How long will they burn, Professor? My guess is indefinitely. As long as they're wound up, the induction coil will give off current. Breathing devices. The kind they use in coal mines in Wales. All the instruments needed for exploring the world below, whatever it may be. I'm wondering if there was such a thing in real life for mining. I don't know. I thought that this is a pretty cool adventure into the center of the earth. And also for the time, they've got this, you know, advanced tech that they're bringing with them. There's, it's, it's just, it's a very nice, well done adventure film. It's pretty straight ahead, straightforward. There are a few, uh, there's a bad guy. There's, uh, in fact, he turns out to be quite an evil person. Uh, and and uh, they they keep going, and each of them has an opportunity to kind of shine in a certain role during the film. And I thought Arlene Dahl's character stayed right with them the whole way. There was no there was no backing down on anything. And and so I think that I think that made Professor Lindenbrook fall in love with her about halfway through the center of the earth. Yeah, there was a funny scene where um, Alec. It's sort of kind of hitting on Carla, you know, Arlene Dahl's character. And Arlene shuts that down in about two seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Knock it off. Ah, Madam, you're magnificent. Mushroom steak, mushroom soup, mushroom hash. Let me say this. If we'd had one more week of that salted beef, <laughs> I would have perished. Don't be too happy. After some months of this, you'll be smacking your lips at the thought of salt beef. Yes, months, months. If we only knew how many more. There's no term to the work of a scientist. Let me say this, madam. If you hadn't been along, this whole journey would have been unbearable. But that's not Professor Lindenbrook's feeling. It's mine. You see, we have no sun, no moon, no stars. But then you're here. And what is the name of the girl you love? I beg your pardon? The girl you love. What's her name? Jenny. But why would you want to know that just now? Oh, dear Alec, there are times when it's advisable to jog a young man's memory. 
he's got a girlfriend back at home with, yes. uh, with Jenny. And, and Carla knows that. And she's like, come on, you really, what are you doing? Uh, and I thought that was great. And I, I wasn't so sure that her and Sir Oliver were a good match. But by the end of the movie, they it's sort of like Sir Oliver isn't quite so self-absorbed right like right. this adventure this adventure kind of mellowed him out a bit he's had some of his pomp and circumstance smoothed off by uh by arlene uh by Car- carla Got- gotberg <laughs> which uh, it's interesting gotberg is a is a town a federal really large city in sweden gotberg where my uh grandparents live near there's an aside yes yeah one more thing on the music is that in the wrong man it was so subtle and it was so restrained. And then we're back to kind of the bombastic music that we were talking about from the Garden of Evil. In some ways, a little bit in, in Vertigo, but but I felt like in this movie, it was just sort of loud and bombastic the whole way through. Not unlike Professor Lindenbrook's character at the beginning. <laughs> well, I don't know how loud he was, but he was bombastic. Uh, and I, li- I, liked, I liked the way it sort of ended where it kind of tied everything up with a nice big ribbon on the end yeah and more singing that that's the that's the most melodious group of men i've ever heard hundreds of them even though it's completely and totally unbelievable like suspend all your disbelief when you watch this movie right yes is is they get launched out of this volcano and then he ends up uh, pat boone's character ends up landing in a tree with no clothes on <laughs> alec was thrown from the altar stone Long before we hit the water. Non si preoccupi, abbiamo lo scalino. I'm most grateful, ladies, but my immediate need is not a ladder. I need trousers. Che dice? Pants. Pantaloons. Pantaloons. Oh, vuole pantaloni. Don't bring them yourselves. Send a friar. A monk. Excuse me, ladies. Excuse me. I was was struck by the fact that they were able to survive this by going up this huge funnel in in what basically was a bathtub. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't see that every day. They, oh, they land they land all over the place and they they do kind of regroup at the end and they get this big parade at the end oh of course and, and more accolades <laughs> for guess who uh, professor <laughs> lindenbrook <laughs> but it all ends happily when the professor and carla decide that they actually could get married yeah oh that's fun yeah, and i think Je- jenny and and alec end up together too yeah so i tell you it was it was a fun trip how did you come out on your rating for this i really like this movie i gave it an eight it's you have to again suspend all your disbelief but the the journey that you go on is so well crafted and the music is great and you just kind of the characters are just dialed up to an 11 you know in terms of like how they're portrayed um but yeah it's a fun it's a fun sort of saturday matinee kind of like holiday movie before there were blockbusters you know this was kind of that pre-blockbuster movie that people would go see during the holidays or during the summer i remember i can remember going to the uh, judah theater on christmas break and seeing this and just loving it taken in by because it's a completely well done escape film 
with lots of music and action, and so I give it an eight also. Yeah. I would recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it or if they want to see it again. It's easily procured through a lot of different sources. And it was a big hit. All right, well, that was Journey to the Center of the Earth. And coming to you from North Bend, this is uh, Matt Johnson. And Bob Johnson in Los Angeles wishing everyone happy movie watching. I'm uh, taking the night train to London and then back to Stockholm. Stockholm? But you have a job to do right here in Edinburgh. I? I intend to write my memoirs. You don't think I can remember everything that happened alone? Oh, I see. What you need is a widow who can uh, jog your memory and take dictation. I suppose I'm to report every day from uh, 9 till 12, from 2 to 6? No, none of that nonsense. You can stay in my house. And what would Edinburgh say? You know, it's one thing to spend one's days and nights with a man under the earth, another under one roof in Scotland. Well, uh, what do you propose? That's not a word I bandy about, Professor. What did I say? Which word? I thought it would catch in your throat. Uh, madam, uh, madam, uh, oh, thank you. Uh, madam Gutterbrook, Frau Gutterbrook, Carla. Yes, Oliver? Carla. I warn you, I'm wearing stays again. Here's to the prof of geology, master of all natural history. Rare boy he, and rare boys we, to know such a big curiosity. To the prof, ay, 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 to the next, ay, 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 to the next, ay, 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 ay.